I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, I'm back from Canton, Ohio in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. No, I did not get in. My friend Jim Trotter did, though. He won the Bill Nunn Award. That was cool. But, of course, it was Rondé Barber's weekend. He is the latest Buccaneer to be enshrined into the... uh, Football heaven, as they call it up there in Canton, Ohio. It was an incredible, incredible weekend. Um, everything really from the, the time I got there, from the uh, gold jacket ceremony uh, on through, of course, Saturday's events and speeches uh, were a lot of fun. And then I'll tell you about the party, man. And hats off to the Glazers, first and foremost. That ownership group put out, went went to any level they could uh, to make sure that, that their Hall of Famer, Rondi Barber, uh, was... Uh, was sent in uh, to Canton in the best way possible because it was it was a first first class event. I've been to a lot of these. This one was just incredible. But Steve, I don't know if you watched uh, you know the, the speeches per se. Um, uh, I'll go back even. Let's go back a night before that for the the gold jacket ceremony. So it was interesting. You know, always before the player going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame could choose sort of who they wanted to put the jacket on. And some people choose their presenter, which in this case would have been Tiki, his brother, his twin brother. Um, and some people choose somebody different, you know, to try to spread the wealth a little bit. Well, they came up with a rule about two weeks ago, or a request, I guess, and that was they wanted another gold jacket member, a current Hall of Famer, to put the jacket on the new incoming player. And so that kind of messed up Ronnie Barber's plans because he had been vacationing with Mike Tomlin and decided – that, you know, I want Mike T to be the guy that puts the jacket on me. But if he needed a gold jacket guy, it was an easy choice. John Lynch was his his dude. Um, and so he figured, you know, I'll just kind of bend the rules a little bit here and I'll have John up there, but Mike's going to put it on me. Um, but what was interesting about Mike T, and if you don't, if you know anything about Mike, like he is, first of all, the dude's going to have one on himself one day whenever he decides to quit. And then, mm-hmm. Not so much because he won one one Super Bowl ring, although so did Bill Cowher, I guess, won a couple, and and, uh, and he got it. Um, but more more importantly, it's just the man's never had a losing season. Think about that. I mean, never had a losing season in Pittsburgh. We know they've had, you know, two other coaches in the last 50 years with that organization. And so, but but Iron Mike, like, he's the really, I know they call Iron Mike Dicka. Mike, Mike T is a badass. Like, he, he just kind of is. He's a lot of fun, and you see him up there on the podium, um, you know, and he's got all these sayings and stuff. Uh, but to have him come, so the Steelers, and I went and I found him on table one eighteen in this in this uh, giant uh, hall that they had there, uh, and the Steelers had a night practice, okay, on Friday night. Like that's a big deal up there in Latrobe, you know they're. They're at this university, St. Vincent, I think it is, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And his team, at the time that this sort of banquet was going on, was actually hitting the field in Pittsburgh. And he goes, isn't this great? Rick, isn't this great? I haven't missed a practice in 17 years. But for this dude, for this dude, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> I don't even, He goes, I don't even feel bad about it. 
I'm telling you, honest with you, I don't feel bad. I haven't missed the practice 17. I don't feel bad about it. And and he was so fired up for Rondé, you know. And of course, you forget, or at least I did, that there's only about two and a half years difference in age there. When when Mike Tomlin came to the Bucks, it was you know um, after Herm Edwards went to the Jets in like 2001. Rondé had been playing for quite a, for a little bit, and yet still wasn't the the total package that he became. And Mike T shows up, and and John Lynch is older than Mike. And Ronnie Barber and him are about the same age, you know, about two or three years difference. And, of course, he later played for Raheem Morris, who he's older than. So, um, you know, but Ronnie, as, as you know, you, people probably heard in our interview that we, we posted a couple of days there last week, um, really credits Mike for sort of taking him to another level and Monty for sort of figuring out all the different ways they could use him. And as Ronnie said in his speech that, you know, um, there's 20, I think you said 23 cornerbacks in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame now, but there's only one of him, and that is he, did, he couldn't do it like Deion Sanders or Darrell Rivas and those kinds of guys, but he did something they either couldn't or weren't willing to do, and that is go down inside, you know, around those 300-pounders, mix it up as, as a guy that would blitz the quarterback. He had 25 sacks, you know, more than 45 interceptions, you know, all those things that he carved out that are singularly his in the NFL. And so, you know, all of it, five foot listed, five foot, what, 10, uh, which he may not even be, and then, you know, about 200 pounds. So it was uh, <laughs> it was a neat event on Friday, and it was neat that Tomlin was there. And then when we got to Saturday, what you think about the speech? <laughs> I mean, it was quintessential Rodney Barber, right? That's who he is, man. That's was there is. was there anyone he didn't hold a grudge against? <laughs> well, I can't, it wasn't quite as bad, um, you know. I I mean, when I I was thinking like while it was going on, and I look, this is this is really who he is. Like the great thing mm-hmm. is, like he and we talked about the speech. And if you listen to the interview, at one point he goes, "Did you read my speech?" Um, and I hadn't, but you know what? I didn't need to because. I know who he is, and I guess the great thing, first of all, it was well-organized, ter- supremely written, and delivered. I mean, this is guy is a broadcaster, uh, not for nothing. He's very comfortable in front of a microphone, and I thought, you know, he did an incredible job. But like Michael Jordan, he was kind of a sore winner. I mean, like, I had one Hall of Famer told me, he says, wow, like, the whole time I'm watching this speech, I'm going like, Ronda, you're actually in the Hall of Fame now? You can let this go? <laughs> but it was just sort of a, a festivist type, uh, you know, uh, one more shot at, at all those who doubted me type of thing. But that's what made him great. And he said, you know, he, he had to be uncommon, which is a title of Tony Donji's book. But he said, you know, I um, I had to do something different and, and ordinary was never going to be great enough for me. It had to be extraordinary. And he was. And his speech was... But, uh, yeah, he, he kind of went through the history of it and he, you know, how he thought he might be cut after his first and then second year. Um, and you know, but eventually he he just like failure was never an option. It wasn't an option for Tiki. And as we wrote in the Tampa Bay times and talked about, uh, during the interview is how, you know, even though Rondi was born first, it seemed like Tiki always went first and then Rondi would, would catch up and and then obviously exceed even Tiki's accomplishments, but Tiki goes to New York and he's a running back and he's a star right away. And Rondé doesn't play as a rookie. And then, 
You know, same thing was true at Virginia where Tiki played as a true freshman and Rondé redshirted. And in high school, you know, Tiki started it uh, at running back and, and uh, they moved the running back to quarterback and Rondé didn't come in until about halfway through the year. So this is kind of always ha- how it had been. But those two guys, while they competed, it was more like confirmation for each one of them that like, okay, well, he, he can do it, then I'll do it. And then Rondé started taking the lead, making the first Pro Bowl uh, Tiki won a super or went to a Super Bowl. Tiki uh, didn't win it. Rondé did. So there was just kind of this back and forth. But he said, "If you understand anything, understand this. Anything I say today, I'm not here without my brother. You know, like that. It's a twin thing. It's it's hard to explain. Um, but he really did sort of push him to that to that highest level. But I'll tell you, it was it was." It was interesting because that is the essence of Rondé Barber. Like, he was defiant. And, and the one thing he said, they used to call him, the, you know, he called himself the angry worker. Um, and guys had other names for him that weren't as nice. But he said, finally, after all of this is done and I'm in the Hall of Fame, I don't have to be angry anymore from this, this point forward. So good for him. Um, and then it was on to the party. And I'm here to tell you, uh, you know, the venue makes such a big difference, and they found a great one, and it's it's a fairly more recent one. Canton, Ohio isn't full of convention halls, if you will, but um, there were about two or three parties at a vineyard um, kind of that was out there not far from the, from the city, and they had a beautiful, um, a beautiful kind of home area, if you will, uh, and then, you know, kind of the greeting area, and then they had uh, another thing was like a bourbon tasting area, and then you go outside, and there was a sort of an indoor tent, kind of erected where they had uh, dinner served and all of that. And then outside is where they had their entertainment. With CeeLo Green was uh, was the guest entertainer, who was very good. So, so it was just so well done. And and the biggest thing is you can move around. Like a lot of times in those things, you get very small. You get a tent. You get something very small venue with a lot of people, and get very hot and uncomfortable. And it's just. But this was this was so well done. First class all the way. First class food and entertainment and, and you know, of course, all the open bar and all that stuff. And I was so impressed. I mean, you, know, you have, unlike some of these other ones I've been to, like John Lynch was the one before, which was tremendous. I mean, uh, you know, um, his, was, his was great. But John, you know, played four Pro Bowl seasons for the Denver Broncos. And so you had the Bucks people, you had the Broncos people, and then you had is San Francisco 49ers folks who were supporting him because he's the general manager there. Um, so, you know, when you had Lionel Richie was his entertainment, which was ridiculously good. Um, but, you know, it, it wasn't all Buccaneer. This one, everybody I saw I knew, right? Like, and they all came. And the one thing that was that's neat about, you know, they tell you this, and it's true, like the guys that win a Super Bowl, they're brothers forever. You know, they walk together into history. They can never take that away from them. But whether it's, you know, Dwight Smith or even guys like John Howell, who I'd forgotten about for a while, Barrett Rude, right? Like, and we know about the Brad Johnsons and the Mike Allstotts and the Lynches and the Brookses, and you know those guys are going to be there. But to see Brian Kelly and, you know, um, some of the guys that you don't, don't get to see, Dwight Smith regularly, um, it's just really cool. It was, it was, and, and, and then people from the organization, PR people that I haven't seen in a while, Zach Bono and... Um, you know, Jeff Camus, of course, came and, and brought his girlfriend. It's just, it was really cool. It was, it was a tremendous turnout. All the executives, Tim Rusko and John Idzik and Rich McKay came through there and, and just so many more, 
as well as the entire front office of the Buccaneers now um, with Jason Light and John Spitek and Mike Greenberg and all those guys and their wives. So and it, I can't tell you how upbeat it was. I can't tell you how close those guys are with Jurovicious and all of them that were there. But it was it was befitting of who the guy was, which was, you know, tough as hell, played the most games in Buccaneer history, started a 214 straight once he got in there, and that was regular season or 220-something if you include playoffs and Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, uh, just a really cool weekend, man. I, I, and, and I got to thinking about this, like, this is it. Right? This is four players off that one Super Bowl team, that defense, and, and the head coach, Tony Dungy, uh, that are now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and they won one Super Bowl. They were great for a long time, but they won one Super Bowl. Okay, I think Simeon Rice has every number that's required to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll get there because I think if they got five, that's as many as the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going. I don't think voters are going to go there. I agree with you, but what about what about also adding to the Hall? What about JG? <laughs> All right, let's get into this because I that one I haven't asked Rondi about, but I probably should because some of his teammates came up to me and mentioned it. They're like, "Wait a minute, did they?" He mentioned John Gruden is like, "Yeah, ever so briefly, he called him JG." First of all, no one's calls John Gruden JG. Maybe it's a thing between those two, like "Hey RB, Hey JG." I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know that. Um, but all I could think of is somewhere Gruden's like. I tell you what, man, I like that nickname, JG. You know what I mean? I'm the OG of JGs. I tell you what, that's nice. <laughs> but but it was so fast that I was like, wait a minute, did he mention Gruden? And so he goes, yeah, he said JG came. And it's like, oh, JG, okay. So I don't know. That's uh, a good question for Ronnie when I see him again. It's like, did you mean to say, like, this is John Gruden, right? Like, is there a reason why you didn't just call him John Gruden? But uh, maybe there is. Um and I don't know with all the NFL stuff. I mean, they don't really control that stuff. But, uh, but yeah. So you know, he he did. You know, he didn't list everybody that he ever worked with, but he he gave some shouts out, obviously, to his defensive backs coaches, to Monty Kiffin, um, as well, who's also there. And um, you know, and the guys, a lot of the players, of course. I think he mentioned a good number of them. He managed to get it all. I mean, you know, it's hard to it, you don't have that much time. They want you to keep it to eight minutes or so. And they, everybody went over this year, but I thought that uh, I thought his was really well written and organized. But it was quintessential Ronnie Barber. I mean, it's just that guy. There, he he was he was the angry worker. He was always ticked off. That was his edge. He carried that chip on his shoulder all the way to Canton and then some, and kept it on until the speech was over. So it was it was kind of funny, but uh, enjoyed. Enjoyed being there. It's always humbling to be there in the presence of all those players. And, you know, I think there was over 100 of them that came back. Uh, of course, all the Bucks Hall of Famers and, and uh, you know, got to spend some time with, with Coach Dungy and, and different things. But, uh, yeah, just a, just, a, just a great party. Now, who's the next Buccaneer Hall of Fame? Like how long before there will be another celebration in Canton for Tampa Bay? Tom Brady. Exclude – all right. You're right, and that'll be five, five years. years, or yeah, <laughs> well, five, uh, but, six, seven, depending on what he does. This and year. and he's as much a Buccaneer as Peyton Manning was a Bronco, right? And he's going to go <laughs> into the Ring of Honor. You know, I mean, like that's that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah, but Tom Brady's a Patriot, and so there are guys. You know, Junior Seau will probably go to the Hall of Fame, right? Like 
there's guys that are going to go that played here and may have won a Super Bowl here, but they're not mm-hmm. necessarily JPP. I don't think is going to make it, but they're not necessarily Buccaneers. But yes, absolutely, you're right. Tom Brady will be the next. Um, but but homegrown as far as guys they drafted and developed, I think we're looking at Mike Evans next. Mm-hmm. I think he's. You can't say Levante David, even though he certainly is going to have incredible numbers that would rival sort of a lot of the things Derek Brooks did. But when you start talking about having to hit markers, and and, and Mike doesn't have all of them, by the way. Um, you know, Rondi was an all-decade player. Mike Mike has not been. Um, but I know this. That you know, Mike's Mike problem plays, is like John Lynch, though. He started like in 15. Yes. Or 14. Correct. You know, he didn't, he he didn't play a in full decade. decade. Yeah, he hasn't right. played a full decade. John Lynch had that issue. Yes, he did, and that, that's exactly – he was great for 10 years, but those 10 years were half the decade in the in, in, uh, uh, 90s and half in 2000 um, to 2010. So, you know, and it's the same same is true with Mike Evans. Now, Mike's going to have plenty of Pro Bowls. He'll have enough of those. And, and the biggest thing will be that he will set a record that you don't think will be broke for a while, and that is, you know, starting your career with what is now nine straight 1,000-yard seasons. Could be 10 straight, um, the most ever – uh, consecutively, but not to start a career because it wasn't Jerry Rice didn't have a thousand in his first year. As Jerry Rice did, it did eleven straight years. Mike is going after that. He's already the second active leading receiver in the NFL right now. No one has only one player has more yards, and that's DeAndre Hopkins, who's a few years older than Mike. And so I think the next one, if I was just gonna, and and there'll have to be an argument made, but uh, I, I would think it's going to be Mike Evans. I think that's the guy. And then you're talking about, like, he's probably going to play two or three more years if, if he doesn't get injured. And then you got to wait five years. So it could, be, it could be eight years, and then maybe he's not a first ballot, maybe 10, maybe 12. It could be a long time before we see another Buccaneer uh, per, you know, player in the Hall of Fame. Hey, we'll talk about those red-hot rays uh, having a good road trip. You already know it's hurricane season in Florida, but there's some time to keep the power on without breaking the bank. That's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. With solar battery backup power, there is no fuel cost, no loud generator generator noise, no annual maintenance costs. Plus, May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty. Solar battery backup can save you hundreds of dollars each month. And if you lose power, a generator could cost you over $2,000 a week just to keep your house running. New solar battery backup systems are qualified for a 30% tax credit, and you can add a battery to your existing Emphase solar system. Trust the pros in solar. To learn more about May Electric Solar Battery Backup or to get started, call 727-819-2862, or you can visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, so I go away, and uh, what, another pitcher's injured for the Tampa Bay Rays? Is this how this goes? Another one. We got a couple. I mean... (laughs) You're right. You got Shane McClanahan, who's flew to L.A. on Sunday, Oof. for more opinions, with forearm tightness. Never good. Uh, sounds like he's going to get several second opinions. That's because you know what that means? Is the first opinion is not the one they wanted to hear. Uh, I would uh, agree with that assessment. And if it is what we all fear, Tommy John surgery, that means he's out till 2025. Yeah, not going to pitch at all next year. Right. Uh, mm. You know, missed the rest of the season. And then Tyler Glass now, scratched from his start Sunday right. for back tightness. Now they're hopeful he'll be able to start Wednesday or Thursday this week. Mm-hmm. But who knows what that becomes. You never back. know. And, and you know, just as they're starting to play well, I mean, 
They went six and th- six and three on a road trip and won three straight series. No, it's been impressive. Yeah, it's the first time since 2019 they've done a, a win three series on the same road trip after after an historically horrible July. Yes, you know, but yeah, they're they're playing well. But now, just think about where they started with the starting staff this year, right? And we don't know what's going to happen with Glass. The only thing I know about Glass now is, and I think you've said this too before, is like the guy's never started more than 14 games in any season. Um, so who knows if he can make it to the finish line. But when you look at where this rotation was supposed to be and where it is now, my goodness. Um, and, and the strength of this ball club is still pitching, although you know it looks like the bats have woken up and maybe a trip to Detroit will help you do that. But it, it is... It is mind-blowing that they have lost virtually their entire rotation, you know, from from where they began. Mm -hmm. And yet they still find guys like Erasmo Ramirez, who's (laughs) now pitched three games and has been great. They're just, uh, what, added Cole Sulser back. Um, Yeah. You know, they – They brought Jalen Beeks back up. Yeah. (laughs) You know. I mean, they just seem to – it really is – Find a way. It really is amazing. They seem to find a way with arms in this organization. They do. Um, they'll find you know Jake Diekman's been great this year, mm-hmm. DFA'd by the White Sox. I mean, they just they seem to find these guys year in and year out, and and somehow make it work. If the bats can get toasty for the postseason, that's the whole key. You still like their shot, their chances. Now, you really like McClanahan to be there, and and so we'll you know find out this week how, what his status is. But it's. It's although you know they they did so well in this road trip six and three, but they lost ground. Yeah, because the Orioles are not yeah. stopping. Yeah, the Orioles are red hot right now. Mm-hmm. So they're three games behind the Orioles at this point. Right now, they're four games up on the Astros for the top wild card. Which means if the playoffs started today, they would host the Astros in the wild card. Yeah, but still two out of three, and you know all that. Yep. Which you know that's what happened I mean, a year ago. They didn't host them, but I mean they could not swing the bats, um, mm-hmm. and, and 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 lost pretty pretty quickly. Um, Spotty hopefully you know will help them. I, I there every reason to think he would, but I mean how many you know the trade deadline's over, and so you have what you have yeah. right now, kind of. And Savali was okay on on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I know Kevin Cash talked about you know oh, he did great things and this and the other. I mean it was the shortest outing of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just okay. I mean, we'll, you know, obviously Let one started in. Yeah, one started in. You, yeah. don't, you don't make judgments or whatever. Right. It was cool to see Curtis Mead get called up. Yeah, that was, an, that was a neat story. Yeah, and his family had to, what, travel 26 hours to see game two for him. <laughs> uh, this from first Australia, start, man. Yeah, from Australia. <laughs> Jesus. So only the 30, yeah. 30-something 30, 30 player to from Australia to play the big leagues. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty his cool. whole family, his girlfriend and their family, everybody flew up for it. So it was really cool yeah. to see that. Got a hit in his first at bat, joins that club. They were in they were in the line at Customs in LAX. <sighs> when just... the alert came through that he got the hit. They they got in in time for Saturday morning. They got like in at 6 a.m. Saturday morning. Yeah. And then for a, the day game Saturday, but and he got his first yeah, they... hit. They didn't even know he was in and they got the alert he got his hit. They were screaming yeah. in the customs office. So that's that's a cool story. Mark Tompkin wrote that in the Tampa Bay Times, mm-hmm. um, and you can read it on TampaBay.com. dot com. There are some places you can't get there in a day. You just you know, and that's one of them. 
Um, hell, I try, I try to get back. I don't know what it is. It's just my luck, really. There's nothing anybody can do. But the last couple times I've flown, I've had ground stops. And one was mechanical, and this one was in Atlanta for weather. And it's just kind of like, at least I was only looking at an hour flight once we did take off. But there's nothing. To me, the only thing, if I'm going to be delayed, I'd rather be in the terminal than on the plane. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because there's nothing worse than sitting, in, and they turn the engines off because they don't want to burn fuel. And so now you're kind of like have this recirculated generator air, which is not as cold or as good as when they're flying. It, it just, I don't know. There's some, we sat there for an hour um, and watched this thunderstorm roll over the airfield there. I mean, summer in Georgia, who knew, right? It rains all the time. But it, it just, it, more and more I've, I've run into these situations where I'm stuck on the plane and having to, it was two hours on my way back. Um, in Honolulu, we had like an indicator, like brake indicator light or something come on. It was just a faulty light, but obviously brakes are important. So they had to check that out, but that was two hours on the ground before a 10 hour flight. (laughs) So it's like, geez. So if I go anywhere under two hours, I'm happy. Just get me moving. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to get, it's tough to get. There's a couple nonstops. I think breeze is a new airline that flies to Akron. Um, generally you got to go through Cleveland, which very often means it's not a nonstop because there's. Not a lot of those from Tampa to Cleveland, and no, I think the only nonstop I've seen Tampa to Cleveland's Frontier. It's Frontier. You're correct. Very good, sir. And and for me, I've I've not had great experiences with some of those airlines. I won't fly them because I'm usually I have to be someplace. And and if you get a cancellation, and there were some people up in Cleveland that got stuck. Um, if there's some kind of mechanical or some cancellation for some reason, they don't have the inventory to just get another jet to you there or have a, a list of other flights that are going out that day. It's usually sort of one and done situation. So a lot of times I can't risk that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, flying is what it is these days, but it's hard. Canton is one of those places you can go to Akron or Cleveland and, and most likely you're going to have to, uh, going to have to transfer somewhere. So eight hours to get home, but I digress. It's not a big deal. No one cares about me. Um, but yeah, yeah. So going back to the Rays. I am very, how do I say this? It will take sort of a all-hands-on-deck clutch explosion of offense, kind of like we've seen the last couple days. Best players play the absolute best. I mean, how about Wander Franco starting to heat up and hit some home runs lately? Mm -hmm. That's been fun to watch. Uh, Of course, Yandy Diaz has been their MVP all, all season long. They will have to have that kind of effort, kind of like what they did against the Tigers, and they'll be playing much better teams than that, to carry them and hope that hope that the few arms they have left in the defense does what it always does, which is limit runs. It's it doesn't feel Steve. This doesn't feel like a team that's that's you know with them losing so many parts and their DNA being pitching and defense. It doesn't feel like this is their year, and that's weird to say because they had the great start. You know, and a historic start, and they still are, you know, so many games over 500. And if not for the Orioles' historic season, you know, it's weird that they're sitting here, you know, three games back. But it doesn't feel like it's going to happen for them because they keep suffering these injuries. And, you know, at some point, it's going to show up on the scoreboard. You know, I don't know how they, they've always managed to do it, they've always managed to kind of spackle it together. Um, but they're going to have to get some good news on glass now. And I hope some good news on McClanahan because 
he's been the best left-hander in baseball for two years now. And it is it is really disheartening for a kid, especially one local like that went to USF and their ace, um, who can throw 100 miles an hour to have to suffer the same fate that so many pitchers. And I'll tell you, doctors will tell you this too, with these Tommy Johns, as much as anything, it's the velocity that has added to the stress of these of these uh, these ligaments in the elbow, um, and that's the difference in the in the game. You know, there just used to be one or two guys that could hit one hundred on the radar, and now everybody comes out of the pen throwing upper nineties or to a hundred, and it's just the the human body was not built that way. But they get them and they get out there on the mound, and they go as hard as long as they can. And the next thing you know, it's not when, it's, you know, not if, it's when that, that somebody's going to have to have their elbow reconstructed. And it's just a shame because, I mean, this guy had Cy Young stuff, you know, and I, and I would have bet you that he'd win one uh, sooner than later the way he had been pitching, and especially the first half of the season. We kind of got a little tired and had that, you know, drop in velo a year ago after the All-Star break. Um, and now you just wonder if, you know, pitching more innings than he's ever pitched, throwing as hard as he's ever thrown, being the ace of the staff. The pitch clock is something I think we're going to talk about in baseball and whether that increased sort of the stress on those arms. You know, It's possible that that might have a cumulative negative effect. We don't know. But it is something that they're dealing with. And, and um, boy, you just hope that it, it, it isn't a, a, a Tommy John situation for him. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So something else happened. I didn't get a chance to watch, Steve, and I, I have kind of paid attention. I watched their first game against Vietnam that they won and didn't play particularly well. But the U.S. women's soccer team is out of the World Cup, and this is breaking news. This is big news in the world of soccer because they were the number one team in the world for years and years and defending champs and all of that. Uh, here's what I noticed. They didn't score. They went to a, some overtime shootouts, never a good recipe for success, and people are complaining about milliliters and things like this. Uh but listen, and again, I'll profess to everybody, I know nothing about really soccer the way you do or others that watch it more often than I do. But I did notice that the U.S. women's team kept some of these legacy players around, you know, the Megan Rapinos and these guys that are in there well into their 30s, uh, did not play a ton of minutes, all of them, um, some more than others, clearly. But I'm just wondering if the makeup of that team wasn't maybe the best that they could have done in that they tried to get some mileage out of some recognizable names for whatever reason, um, and it didn't work out for them. I don't know. Well, I'm sure that those are the questions, the coaching staff, and, and quite frankly, there's, coaches, there's questions about the coaching staff. I mean, it's a new there coaching are. staff since the last World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are kind of going through a transition, yep. and after the game, and I don't know how many people watched it since it was at 5 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. <laughs> wow. um, Julie Ertz 
wife of Zach Ertz, NFL Another tight veteran. end, uh, yeah. announced her retirement from international soccer. Megan Rapinoe is going to retire at the end of this season. Um, it's the last time we're, we're seeing s- some of these ladies in the U.S. Alex jersey. Morgan may not play again. I mean, I mean yeah, four years. From, I mean, she, I think she'll probably play internationally. I don't know if she'll be at the next World Cup. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the U.S., quite frankly, didn't look very good in this World Cup. I mean, they beat no. Vietnam 3 nothing. They should have dominated that game more than they did. Absolutely. They played a really bad first half against the Netherlands, played better the second half, got a, a tie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to talk about millimeters and mm-hmm. some people complaining that the penalty kick goal that bounced off Nair and then kind of went over the line barely, maybe a millimeter or two or three. Um, and that was the winning kick for the, the game. If you remember against Portugal to end the group stage, it was millimeters away from Portugal scoring in stoppage time. Right. It went off the post and didn't go in. It bounced back out. Yeah. Um, that was the only reason the U.S. was even in the group stage or, or advanced right. past the group stage. So, mm-hmm. um, quite frankly, a very poor effort by the U.S. in this tournament. I, I, they didn't play one game where you say they were solid the whole game. Um, they played probably better than Sweden in this game, and and I'll admit I didn't see it all, um, mm-hmm. but you know still couldn't score. And you know this is the earliest a U.S. team has ever been out of a World Tournament ever, not just a World oh, Cup wow. ever. Oh wow! Um, the U.S. has dominated soccer. Granted, the rest of the world's getting better too. I mean, that's part of this. Well, is, sure, is, they are. You know, the rest of the world is catching up to the U.S., and, and now mm-hmm. it's can these young players progress and, and grow and become the next, you know, generations that we remember, uh, you know, with Rapino and Abby Wambach and Alex Morgan mm-hmm. and Ertz and, and, you know, all the, the players we know in, over the years, Fowdy and, yeah. you know, you go through the whole list. But can these young players step up and become that for this team? We'll see. You know what reminds me of a little bit, um, and this might be a horrible analogy, so just tell me if it is, mm-hmm. uh, is you know, when when the dream team was put together and we finally decided that, okay, let's stop mm-hmm. sending amateurs over there. Let's let's send our best basketball players, and they just tuned everybody, you know, with Michael Jordan and Bird and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, guess what? The world caught up in basketball. Look at all the international talent in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. It's not a sure thing for men, U.S. men's basketball when they go over in the Olympics anymore, uh, and it won't be because mm-hmm. they made everybody better, you yep. know. Uh, and and I think that's what's happening in, US, in 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 women's soccer is that the U.S. has been sort of like the standard bearer now for for so many years, and that it got a lot of women around the world interested in playing World Cup soccer and playing you know in these tournaments, and and they're better. And, and competition, you gotta. Raise your game a little higher. I mean, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I think there's probably I think they've they've been so good for the sport that they're kind of feeling the effects of their own their own success right now globally. Well, there's a lot of U.S. citizens on other teams as well. There's a lot of dual yes. citizenships and things sure. like that. Where absolutely, you know, you're seeing that, and, and you know, this has been a transition kind of for women's soccer. You know that core group for that won the last two World Cups is you know many have moved on some were Rapino and a few are still there, um, so they're transitioning and and now it's can these young players uh, Rodman and Smith and all these all these ladies can they step up and and become that next generation for U.S. soccer? I mean they've got the talent to. Mm-hmm. You know the question is can they come together as a team as a unit as a as a country 
and and get back on top because uh, this was an extremely disappointing outcome. And, and they lost to a really good Sweden team today. Yeah, and they did, if they had done their job, to your point, mm-hmm. you were talking about this earlier, they probably shouldn't have had to play Sweden today. Or yeah, If you would have beat Portugal, most likely you would have been atop the division or the top of the standings, and you wouldn't have played Sweden in this round. You'd have played the second-place team from a, a different group instead of a first-place yeah. team from a group. So. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's too bad. It's it, it didn't work out. And I and I am not going to make a political statement, but let me just say this about all that's going on with that because there's a lot of chatter right now because people love to seize on any kind of failure or whatever and say that's why or this is why. This was decided on the field, folks. It's sport. Mm-hmm. Okay, people pour all their hearts and souls into sport, and regardless of what you believe, don't believe politically, you know. In those 90 minutes, no one's thinking about that. They're competing their asses off trying to win. Um, so what you have is just a bunch of opportunists trying to say, well, this is why or that's why. Mm. Sport is sport, right? Um, are there things that, you know, personal things that, that athletes carry onto the field with them? I think we saw that with Tom Brady a little bit. You know, like, yeah, that's they're human beings. That happens, right? Um, but this other, there's sort of like on both sides, this narrative going back and forth about how this being, this being a political football, if you will, uh, or soccer ball. And I'm not here for that. I I just, I just wish we could live in a world where we just like, okay, scoreboard, right? The competition for those 90 minutes or maybe sometimes more than 90 minutes are, are on the pitch. It's not happening anywhere else. Okay. And again, composition of the team coaching all that factors into it but this other narrative i'm just tired i'm just can we just live in a world where we just go okay they lost <laughs> you know what i mean like there doesn't have to be her reason man they weren't good enough that day right I mean, that's what sport is you got to be good you got to be you got to be the best every day mm-hmm. you know and all the other things are just excuses they're just narratives you don't know what you don't know you know, and, and I know, and I, and again, I don't know women's soccer and I don't know the makeup of that team. And I certainly am not in, in that arena. Um, but I do know in the arena that I've covered for years and years, people come up with reasons why, why teams lose and they blame this guy or this coach or that, you know what? It's just competition, man. <laughs> somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And there's a lot of reasons for every, every one of those uh, outcomes. And usually it's decided on the field. Usually the better team that day wins for, for a number of reasons. And could that could be outside forces? Sure. People are affected by what happens outside of their, the 90 minutes or the nine innings or the, you know, whatever they play. Um, but in general, can we just let it be sport? Enjoy the sport of it. I hate, I hate this other thing. And, and I hope we get past that someday. All right, that's that's the end of my soapbox. We've got uh, Bucks back in action today, this morning. They'll be back out there preparing. we got a game this Friday. They're going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers and um, Mike Tomlin coming to town. What, so we got, we got football this week? Holy cow. We got football, baby. And not just football. We're not, talk, we're not talking practice. We're talking, we're talking the game I love. The game I love. And, we, and, and speaking of practice, we're going to see the first sort of live game action competition between Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. Notice I said put Trask first that time. Um, but tomorrow I want to get into one of these things that's, that I'm also sick of. And that is practice interceptions. 
Again, I know it's practice, man. I know it's important. I do. I know. But what are we talking about, man? We're talking about the game. I'm going to tell you why it does and doesn't matter and mostly why it doesn't matter <laughs> because I think I think people are getting way too over their skis with this. I could be wrong because I've been wrong but not on mailback questions ever. Um, but I'm going to ask my own mailback question. Like, does it matter and how much does it matter and what, what should we really think of the sort of you know, scoreboard watching of practice interceptions Mayfield versus Trask. So we'll get in that tomorrow. All right. Uh, it was a good time at the Hall of Fame. Thanks for listening, and, and my thanks to Ronnie Barber for all the cooperation he gave us. One other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace, the Pac-12. Oh, my God. What, are they down to four teams now? Uh, yes, Cal, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State, the only four left. Ow. And then you got like the Big Twenty and the. Uh, There's only the Big the Eighteen. SEC only the Global. Big Eighteen, and then uh, what the Big Twelve is now. <laughs> and how many do they got in? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. So it's going to be three conferences. It turns out, right? Well, there's four at the ACC still. So four. Well, but they're 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 about to disband too. Let's be honest. I mean, we'll see how the grant of rights. I mean, someone's got to challenge the grant of rights. Oh, they will. That signed through you know the mid 30s. Right. But Florida State and Clemson are not going to stick around the ACC. Well, if, I'm here if, to tell if you. two leave, they're all leaving again. Exactly. That that conference is, is going to implode next. Sure feels that way. I don't even know. I mean, and, and I hate this for college football because I, I always – and I'm one of these people that are like, I'm not like, in my day, I think I'm, I'm all – you know, I'm glad players are getting paid finally. I really am. I don't think they know how to regulate it, but that's they didn't regulate it before. So why should we expect these people to figure this out? Um, but the one thing I liked about college football, we should talk to Matt Baker about this. That's not we the will. NFL. <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's not the NFL. Is there's a regional, like college football is so embedded into the fabric of the communities where those schools are, right? There's like a regional pride, if you will, okay? And... And that carries on through the conferences, right? Like if you're in the SEC, right? Boy, don't you come down here in the South now, right? We 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 beat each other up pretty good, but don't just, don't think you're coming here and win. It just means more, Rick. It just means more, right? Uh, but no, I and I like I like my Big Ten teams, you know, I like Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin. You know, I I look at college football and I look at the regional, and there's differences in styles of play. Uh, weather, uh, you know, all those things, coaching. But I like that. I like that because I know I knew I could count on it, right? I could count on, on okay, you're watching a Pac-12 game now or you're watching a, a you know, um, Big Ten. And now it's going to be all just scrambled mess, right? Like, it's just not going to make sense to me anymore. They're taking away sort of the, I guess what I'm trying to say in too many words is tradition. College football is about tradition to me. And I sound like an old timer because maybe I am now, but like, I like that. I could count on it. You know what I'm saying? I could count on those rivalries. I could count on, you know, the Rose Bowl. Like I I knew what that meant to me. Now I'm not going to know what anything means except the money. Well, that's what it's all it's about now. That's it. And it has been for years. Sure. You know, it's just now, now they're they're tearing down those institutions that you loved. 
we're willing to destroy tradition, which I think is the fabric of college uh, football. Mm -hmm. And we're willing to destroy that because we want to make money, more money. And don't you know we need more money because now the players are getting paid. For goodness sakes, how can we survive, you know? So, yeah, we'll get into that with Matt Baker. That'll be a good topic this week, too. But, yeah, it's crazy what's going on, and it changes literally every minute. So um, we'll have to keep an eye on all of that. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. I'll tell you all about the Bucks, the Rays, and everything else right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 